0: Welcome everybody, Lee Henson Hasty. I'm here on Leading Theologically. I'm the um, coordinator, coordinator, I'm not the coordinator. (laughs) I'm the Senior Director of Theological Education, funds development at the Press Foundation with uh, the Committee on Theological Education. And I'm here today on um, this episode talking about new ways of being church with um, one of my good friends from the University of Dubuque Theological Seminary, uh, Beth McCall, the Reverend Doctor. Thanks for being here today, Beth.
1: I've been looking forward to it. Thanks, Lee.
0: Yes, Beth has, um, uh, we were just chatting. She's sort of one of these people always a little bit on the leading edge, doing some things just ahead of everybody else in Dubuque Theological Seminary too. They were doing online and, and hybrid and high flex, you knew terms like that before it became like in the, mm. in, uh, more of what everybody else knows about. So I'm um, looking forward to this conversation. Not only is um, as Beth uh, associate professor of ministry at the University of Duke and has been uh, pastor to students as well. Um, she also is a Presbytery leader and has been with Glacier Presbytery since 2019 and very invested. And I think in her ministry, um with mid councils and congregations it's part of the part of the mission of the seminary right yeah
1: exactly yeah,
0: that's a beautiful thing um they uh i always say to people when you look at actually the charters of our theological schools it actually says in there uh it's not about themselves it's about uh, the future and uh the leadership and the church and supporting the church so Thank you for what you do. We start our show, I think you already know Beth, um, with uh, a question, but let me say too, Beth has uh, both an MDiv and Doctor of Ministry from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and Undergraduate degree, degree from Hope College. What is your undergraduate? I was looking for that. Your undergraduate oh, major. Uh,
1: psychology, communication, English.
0: Okay. Wow. Okay. All over the place. That's beautiful. <laughs> and, um, but Uh, I'd like to start by asking you uh, a little bit about your call. What is it, as Howard Thurman says, that's making you come alive because what we need are people who are coming alive. What's making you come alive today?
1: And and not just today, really this whole season of ministry I find myself in. um, I probably describe it as uh, seeing new growth. Like when Mm. you watch for crocuses coming up in the spring And I think that's coming out of freshly turned soil or we might even call churning soil right now. And we look at the past several years in society with uh, pandemic and anxiety and division, Um, but in the church as well. uh, We find ourselves abruptly pivoting in all kinds of areas that maybe we didn't fully anticipate folks going into different forms of ministry as there's a wave of retirement Smaller churches turn in a corner, realizing it's never going to be 1980 or 1990 again and finding new ways to be church. And um, there's so much at one time. I think that can be kind of mesmerizing all of that movement. And we start to get almost like emotion sickness. Right. Um, but, but we don't <laughs> have to. The metaphor I've been using is... Um, we have been catapulted, uh, maybe mm-hmm. involuntarily into the air and we are midair right now flying through the air. Um, and the temptation might be to, uh, be overwhelmed by that and just close your eyes and brace for impact. Um, or, or, and I really believe this, um, we can use this flight to, to start limbering up. We mm-hmm. are going to land in a different place. Um, unavoidably, yeah. and God is ahead of us in that place and we can use this time to spark curiosity in one another and even have a sense of glad expectation to see what is ahead that is new and fresh um so that's that's what I think is exciting and being bivocational I get to see it on two fronts I get to see it in the seminary where a lot of our students um, well most of them are already engaged in some kind of ministry and they're very innovative and entrepreneurial, and they're restless for new and relevant forms of ministry. And Mm. so that is wonderful. But I also get to see it um, uh, in uh, community with the congregations I serve in Glacier Presbytery, Western Montana. And it's a wonderful presbytery. I watch lay people rolling up their sleeves to try new things. And I'm seeing really grassroots congregations have that sense of adventure and curiosity and what's a new way to become church. And so that is a joy. Um, I'll give you just one little illustration that's a favorite right now. We have um, five churches, three of them are Presbyterian along what's called the High Line. This is the stretch along the railroad just below the um, Canadian border. And so there are three communities and five churches, two Lutheran, Methodist, and uh, uh, Presbyterian, two Presbyterian and one union church. And for the past year and a half, they have not had a full-time or any time actually employed clergy person among the five congregations. But what they've done is they have decided to come together, and um, they are forming what's called—they just chose a name, the Milk River Parish—and they're pitching in together. I love,
0: I love the name.
1: <laughs> yeah, is that is that great? It's it's theirs. This has all just come up very right, organically yeah. by by the yeah. Holy Spirit. And they've caught the wind rather than hunkering down and being afraid and saying, yeah, church like we used to. They're throwing all their gifts on the table. They each maintain their distinctive identity. but Once a month, they worship together and celebrate communion. And they're hiring a multi-staff ecumenical team to lead them. Wow! So they've just hired. That is super um, cool. Yeah, oh, it's it's wonderful. They've just hired a, a Lutheran pastor who's going to help them build their team. They're very close to commissioning a part-time Presbyterian lay pastor. They're looking within and they're looking without for the team to help them be this new kind of church. And what is exciting chills. is it's it's <laughs> wonderful. It's it's really a great thing. Right. Um, some churches might look at that and say, "Oh, this is." making do or it's settling to share staff among five churches Mm -hmm. it really isn't that i think it's a Mm -hmm. great witness in their communities. it is yeah folks are not so interested in uh, brand right now they just want to know if god has shown up in a hurting world and in the midst of their lives and these churches are finding a way to do that that's and they're
0: keeping their own building and spaces and probably some of their own traditions and
1: yeah because they bring those gifts to the community and they well, celebrate
0: now, now, now you're making me think that part of my, what's making me come alive is watching other people come alive to yeah. so, the new things. And, and I want to recognize a, 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 wonderful holy host of others who are joining with us uh, on Facebook or YouTube or um, uh, LinkedIn today, live Jack Mattingly from Chinook, Montana. You may know Diane Mullen, Castlewood, South Dakota. Uh, Carol Iowa, Ricarda Sorensen, Caleb Sudam from uh, Streeter, Illinois, says hello to you. And Maggie Lewis, Eugene, Oregon, Krista Dean, Clarksville, Arkansas, Sharon from Chinook, Montana, uh, and Jeff Chapinga, who's uh, in Wisconsin now. Hello, Jeff, good to see you. Randy Goodson, Jennifer Claxton, we have a great group and Feel free to put your comments, questions in the chat, and we'll hopefully get to some of those today. Um, we're talking about new ways of being church. Um, hello, Sarah from Michigan, Sagatuck, Michigan. Bill Wildhack from Presbyterian Tampa Bay. Um, glad to have you. This is a This is a team effort. I was thinking about my first call. We were very uh in in lynchburg virginia and we had a very strong ministerial association and did lots of things together and we proposed like building one administrative building so we had like one copier you know <laughs> one office manager or maybe maybe a team of office managers with like a business person too you know and we could never really get it done but it sounds like this group is really uh this group is really getting it done i love your image too so at the catapulting I feel like that sort of gives you a broader view, right? I don't know, is that part of your image? You can see a little more of what's going on around, maybe even just over the horizon. Um, and that's a, that's, that's a really exciting place to be. And I love what you said. It's, it's not a don't get scared. I mean, know and trust that God will be there to catch us wherever we land, right? Like, take in the view of uh, what's going on. So, what else do you see happening? Um, in the seminary and the church uh, uh, that's new and exciting to you?
1: Um, well, with that idea of, you know, being airborne and having our eyes open rather than closing our eyes right. um, uh, yeah. is that flexibility, um, yeah. which is, can be a very exciting thing, right? It really opens the scope of what ministry looks like on how we can use our gifts and creative ways I see it in the seminary where we have pretty much an unbroken continuum of offerings to meet anybody where they find themselves. So it might be one person who's a deacon who wants to take a CLP or degree class in caregiving, for example, or someone who wants to do all the CLP training or a one-year degree or an MDiv. So there's a lot of flexibility to piece it together in a way that matches the vocation, the the shape of the vocation for Mm -hmm. really every child of God deserves to have vocational support. Right. But on the church side, um, it's wide open as well. So we have, for example, the um, ecumenical parish I just, I just described, but there's a lot of chatter going on right now among mid councils of other ways to have um, churches be church well. So Mm -hmm. for example, um, very small communities, uh, because Really, being church is not dependent on numbers. We're talking about, oh, your budget's got to be this much, your membership right. has to be this much, your average age has to be below or above this. Um, but to help churches, help worshiping communities be themselves well. And so, fellowships and chapels um, are a, a model that a couple of models that are being looked at right now. We have one of these that we're exploring in Glacier. Um, there's another little story, a God sighting, a kingdom sighting. <laughs>
0: um,
1: we had several new worshiping community grants for a small community in basin, Montana. It's up in the mountains. It was a copper mining town and the copper mines shut down, but then they were reopened as, um, uh, mines, health mines, they call them because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, from some perspectives, there's value to, to go and, um, Uh, sit for a limited amount of time, actually in the radiation. Um, We had a pastor who visited this area and what he found there was people from all over the world traveling to stay in Camp Browns and visit these mines because they were seeking healing in some form. Mm -hmm. And some of the folks said, why can't you be our pastor here? And so he and his wife moved into the community and it became a new worshiping community and they developed this core of um, of uh, members, if you will, of Christians who met every Sunday for worship and for study, and did potluck every single Sunday, and made it their mission to be present for those who were arriving from Canada and Korea and Russia.
0: Wow. Um, and-
1: Amish territories
0: there was room at, there was room at the table too I bet for them it oh,
1: was and then, you know you can just look around that table and see wow. people from all over the world and every time I worship there I thought this is the kingdom of God right, right here this is the kingdom of God and so um, in order to not compel them to jump through hoops of chartering as a traditional congregation oh. because half those people are always going to be pilgrims. Um, We're looking at letting them become a chapel of uh, a larger congregation that's well established that that frankly could benefit from that energy and that missional vision um, and allow them to be themselves well. So that's an example of the kind of flexibility of helping worshiping communities be exactly who they're supposed to be for kingdom purposes.
0: Well, and it's not about also gathering enough, enough assets to build a building or anything like that either. Like you're putting your energy into the mission, um, which feels, feels very much uh, like who you are. And I think where the church needs to be these days. Um, Yeah. It
1: was kind of funny when we were talking with that community about what a chapel arrangement might look like. We talked about insurance and whatnot. We realized the church has no physical assets. There, there is no building to worry wow. about. There are no vehicles to maintain. It's a community right. that gathers and they do share potluck. Okay. Right.
0: <laughs> but it's, but they also having a church that has those things is part yeah. of the reason it makes them exist. I mean, it's not like churches got it. It's not like we had to have a cookie cutter though. Yeah. Every church needs to have look exactly the same. And there is a lot more flexibility. Um, you know, I, I know you're in tune with the spirit and what it's doing uh, in the world today. And you're somebody who asks really good questions. I think it, whenever I think about discernment, uh, both with students and others, you're one of the best. So how, how does this how does this happen? I mean, is its is it you're noticing what is happening and then helping people name things? How does this I feel like it is a discernment process that's going on. It's it's noticing how the spirit is operating, where the church is showing up. Um, tell us a little bit about, the, I mean, those kind of practices, Christian practices that help you see these things. Yeah,
1: two things I think and are really see it too. important. And
0: others see it too, right? Not just you. <laughs>
1: well one of them is i and i love this for our ordination vows um uh, having energy intelligence imagination and love that's what we use in our love for right. god and love for the world but that word imagination i think is so critical um mm-hmm. what do we literally um spend our time dwelling upon or envisioning or remembering mm-hmm. and it, it's so easy you know as we're <laughs> catapulted to be looking back with longing rather than um considering what is possible and letting new visions grow up. So how we encourage each other to use our imagination is important. I think actually a lot of scripture is given to us to cultivate our imagination, right. for what the kingdom of God looks like. So we know what we're leaning into. So that's, a, that's a piece of it is having imagination and sparking that in one another for what's possible. I think that's also what happens in what we're doing right now, sharing testimony of God's sightings. So you we remember the faithfulness of the God who who goes before us and mm-hmm. is calling us forward, um, so that's a piece. But but another is is being committed to helping every child of God um, grow into their Christian vocation. Mm. That's their that's their baptismal right, and that's what we pledge to them in their baptism as the church. Right. And way back when I was moderating a committee on preparation for ministry. And when we do that, well, that is such a faithful and beautiful process mm-hmm. to support folks in discerning and weighing what their gifts are, how that has application to the great ends of the church and the world. But that shouldn't be reserved just for those who are going into full-time professional ministry. Every child of God deserves that. Kind Amen. Of
0: support. <laughs> Amen.
1: Yeah. Amen.
0: I, I, was- <laughs> My demon thesis starts with a story of a young man who became an inquirer for ministry uh, in the church that I was serving. And he in this one of those parking lot conversations afterwards. And um, he turned to me and he said, wouldn't it be great? He felt so supported, you know, by the session, everybody. They're going to discern and walk with him as he asked the question about, you know, is he called to ministry word and sacrament? He said, every youth in our church should have this process yeah. and i was like van <laughs> you are right you are right i mean that's what you're talking about like we pledge that to everyone that that one day and I, i'll say this i mean we're always you know professing jesus christ as lord one day you'll profess jesus christ as lord or, or maybe the next day or maybe today um in some way or another and we're we're that for each other so you're singing my song Ben. no it's,
1: it's a wonderful i think that is or that is a song. That is a song. That's,
0: I mean, I think it is really important. It's sort of reclaiming that as central to what is in the church's ministry and not just for people we know, right? I mean, it's every child of God, I mean, uh, that's out there, right? Helping them figure that out.
1: Well, and I think this is why um, it has placed some of our smaller churches on the cutting edge because they yeah. are compelled to not just do church like we used to do church and go find a hired professional to come in and keep things running. Um, right now with the great turnover and leadership in the church, um, it's not just calling up your local seminary, which you can still do, <laughs>
0: right.
1: graduating and what alums do you have out there? But it's also saying, who's gonna proclaim the word? Who's gonna sit with someone who's dying? Who's gonna show up in the neighborhood? Right. Look to your left in the pew, look to your yes. left in the pew, look yeah. in the mirror, I I was describing recently in a mid-council Zoom that this last summer I did some workshops with those churches along the High Line uh, for lay people on how to plan a worship service and how to write a simple sermon. It was so much fun. Who would not want to offer to any interested Christian the ability to do that? And so I got to read and watch some first or second or third sermons from folks. And and what I shared in mid council was it is a beautiful thing to watch a preacher being born <laughs> yeah. or, or to watch anybody uh, right. discover their vocation yeah. and how many. Well,
0: a, Ricarda says, I'm so excited about what is happening with milk river parish. These were the folks that encouraged me to go to seminary yeah. blessings. I mean, it's so that happens too, right? Yeah. I mean, people, discover. There is a question, Krista Dean says, can you speak to finding pastors willing to do this non-traditional work? Has it been more difficult to find the right people for these communities? So having a catalyst like you seems really important.
1: I think part of that goes to what we're talking about earlier with imagination, Mm -hmm. uh, that folks are looking with the traditional model of, if I go into ministry, it needs to look just like this. Maybe that's not for me, but maybe if we widen the scope of things, suddenly we start to find ourselves in that landscape and Mm -hmm. uh, we know what that can mean. So it, it happens on every level. I, I wish even we should be catching folks in, in third grade, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs>
1: when we say the children's message, what do you want to be when you grow up, or how do you want to spend your life? How do you want to impact the world? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know, it's um, Parker Palmer, and we, I give it away for graduation presents a lot. Uh, Let your life speak. I don't know if you know that little book, and it is a small book, but he tells a story of when his granddaughter was born, how he began writing and noticing things about her because he thought later he could tell her, I mean, things that you know she was, or is she attracted to being with people? Does she, is she attracted to sound light, what it, you know, creativity, what is it, you notice things about people through their development. And I think that is the kind of, so that's, that seems like a really good practice to help others see the gifts that they have. And some of those may be gifts for, you know, that can be used in church leadership. I feel like there's so many different kinds of gifts, um, particularly yeah. that creativity side and imagination you're talking about. Um, so the people who kind of have the right brain, you know, operating at a high level um, and nurturing that, I feel like that creativity yeah. within, within congregations. Um, I know you're part of a doctor ministry cohort uh, crisis And the church (laughs) its not, there can be crisis in the church and that's probably what in that kind of cohort have you learned or is that you're talking about that relates to this, this sort of new ways of being churches. It feels like, I feel like crisis is a moment of creativity, like chaos. This is like create the creation story. This is a moment where creativity can happen. It's not a time to panic. (laughs) right
1: yeah well it's that that danger opportunity coming together right Right. Uh, and it's it could be like being catapulted right it's it's, It's it's a little thrilling maybe in ways we don't welcome um but there's something meaningful to do a meaningful way to respond in that it was interesting um i i'm co-teaching that track with um uh, brad longfield who's a wonderful church historian and it was interesting we we chose the title for this track before covid started um and I've then got uh, I've got
0: Brad's book right here. Okay, there
1: you go. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, <laughs> terrific.
0: Presbyterians in American culture. <laughs> um,
1: but we chose that title uh, whenever 2018, 2019, um, and then COVID started, and so we didn't need any. Nobody needed to cast around for examples of what crisis in the world. was right. Uh, right. We were all impacted by that. Um, But the interesting thing was all through the pandemic, we've heard this is unprecedented, unprecedented. Well, I'm teaching with a church historian. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let's look across the centuries and across the world (laughs) at where the church has found itself uh, throughout the ages in the midst of crises where we Mm -hmm. show up with the gospel with a. a cup of cold water and news of living water. And that takes different shape depending on what the the need is, the point of brokenness or hope or longing. Um, And so in this cohort, uh, we've done some church history and some theology and some ecclesiology. And what does this mean? I teach the practical track where we've um, talked about trauma and uh, systems and hope and worship in the midst of this. Mm -hmm. Um, How do we encounter the living God? Um, as we minister and as we heal and as we hope, um, and as we watch for God together. Um, and it's a great group. It also lifts up the issue of, um, God has gifted us, uh, with one another in the church and has given the church for the world. Um, as we, we watch for Christ and, uh, lean in toward the kingdom and hope and keeping the faith.
0: Right. Um, it, it is. when you It is that it's a great exercise. Like, let's talk about the crises. I mean, even the Reformation itself. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, it's just there's so many times and, the, and these are the places I'm thinking the Barman Declaration and, and facing Nazi Germany. I mean, these are the moments when we really figure out who we are and what we're about. Like it's it's a gut check moment. Um, I mean, so it can't it's a tip. It can go either way. Right. I mean, so. You know, don't just ignore the crisis. I mean, like, um, lean into it. I love that you use family, some th- some systems theory as part of that kind of conversation too. I got a couple of more questions here. Star Love says, "How can can creativity, church maturity happen when the church um, grief or church identity? Um, how can they both happen? Because there's there's I guess there's there's grief that happens too because people lose things. I guess is probably what Star is saying."
1: Yeah, um, one is I think we allow that both of those can happen simultaneously. Right. Any given Sunday, we show up to worship God. And if we knew every story all across the pews, we would know there's all kinds of brokenness and fear and longing. And Mm -hmm. yet at the same time, um, we open the scriptures and we raise our voices and we pray together. And so we can allow for grief and we can hold on to hope. Um, at the same time and create spaces for those. And I, I think that the church is uniquely poised to be able to, get, to hold space for lament because ultimately we're anchored in our baptism and in the story of the God who has kept us faithfully across the ages um, that that gives us courage to lament and to hope Um even in all the messiness of it. It's a unique gift of the church to the world.
0: Right. I was at a conference, this has been probably 10 years ago, on lament. I mean, and the the percentage of Psalms is overwhelmingly about lament. I mean, we can lament too. That's part of the process. Um, It's beautiful you point that out. Maggie Lewis says, can you speak to helping mid-councils and seminaries spark that imagination rather than extinguish it? when building equipping leaders for this generation? Um, yeah. How does this curiosity get encouraged? Yeah. I mean, in seminary and in the church. Yeah. How do you encourage that kind of?
1: Creativity? Um, well, uh, one of the reasons I was attracted to Glacier uh, mm-hmm. is because there's a lot of openness and flexibility. Mm. Um, and when I use the word grassroots, I, I use that with really warm appreciation for rolling up our sleeves and let's be willing to experiment. Um, uh, and sort of link arms and try some new things together. And so we can be deliberate about that, uh, and, um, how we hold the compass, if you will, what we're pointing to, like you talked about when we're airborne there, we get a wide view and we can point that right. out to one another in deliberate ways, programmatically, but just interpersonally and how we share uh, worship and programming, um, mm-hmm. that is a foundation. Um, and the same thing can happen in the seminary. Uh, to I, I really appreciated you opening up with um, the, the, our seminaries, EDTS as well. We exist to serve the church in the world right. Of today. Right.
0: Um, well, and I think it's in your you, implicitly you're saying is we're not alone. We're in this together. I mean, and I think in the times of grief and times of crisis and times of even creative you know, things happening. That's, that can be a little scary, you know, like riding a roller coaster or whatever. I mean, you want to be, have a hand to hold, you know? Yeah. Um And uh, I love, I think Barbara Bound Taylor in a book uh, about walking around in the dark, like it's important to be able to reach out and grab that hand, yeah. <laughs> how how much that makes, a, how different that makes it, that we're, we're alone. The church is the is not just one of us, right? It's not just about me and Jesus. It's about we and Jesus. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, and that, that makes all the difference. And, and that goes back to the example of equipping every member of the body, the hands, the feet, the ears. And suddenly you're working in concert together. That is tremendously encouraging. It, it gives us courage, and I think that is by design from God.
0: I can't believe our time is, is, is running away here. I want to ask more. I'm sure others do too. Please get to know Beth um, and the university of Dubuque theological seminary. I know Beth is also uh, intent and the seminary is empowering and supporting her to reach out to other mid councils uh, with this work that she's doing. And so you'll be able to see her out there um, as well. I know there was um, people who were talking about helping mid councils with this as well. So, and, and, and seeing Jeff and, and Bill and other mid-council leaders on the line is encouraging. So we'll hope we'll get, keep this going. I'd love for you to bless and send us um, after I invite people, if, if you're willing. Um, we'll have a special show. First of all, we love folks to subscribe and review the podcast, Leading Theologically. We're also wherever you get your podcast. Um, we'll have a special show next week. We have two more in December. Um, so it's on Thursday, not Wednesday, December 8th. And it's about... Pastoral Residencies, which are just opening up their application process. Chris Henry from Second Presbyterian Indianapolis, along with two former um, residents, uh, Savannah Demunyek from uh, who was an, uh, a resident in at Myers Park Presbyterian, and Charlotte and Angela Rao from who was at Ann Arbor First Pres, Ann Arbor, um, Michigan, will be with us. Hope you'll join us for that. And then December sixteenth, our uh, General Assembly co-moderators, Siobhan Starling, Lewis, and Ruth Santana Grace, we'll be here talking about a theology of calling. How about that? We'll talk some more about call. Hope you'll join us for that. In January, some wonderful guests, Frank Spencer from the Board of Pensions and Jennifer Warner from Valley Presbyterian in California, will be with us. So make your plans uh, to be with us and join us. Um uh, but thank let me say before you bless and send Beth, what a gift. You are to the church and the world, to not only uh, the University of Dubuque community and the theological school and the students for generations, um, also to people like me (laughs) and those on the show today, what a gift you have been. I remember retreating with you with some students. It feels like not that long ago, and uh, just your presence um, reminds me. Um, that God is with us. So thank you for who you are and the witness that you make and your leadership uh, in so many beautiful ways. Would you bless and send us?
1: I'd be glad to. And thank you. That's a mutual gift. God is good to be with us and to give us one another. So here is a charge for this Advent season, which is really what we've been talking about today, right? (laughs) Uh, So as we find ourselves uh, traveling in midair, let us not uh, curl up or look back but let us keep our eyes on the horizon and be watching for God and to be sparking curiosity and hope uh, in one another, essentially to be keeping the faith uh, which God has given to us. And in that may the inexhaustible grace of our Lord Jesus Mm. Christ and the abundant love of God and the ever sure faithful presence of the Holy Spirit be with us today and tomorrow and the next day and always. Amen.
0: Amen. And amen. Yes, it is Advent. Uh, and uh, I, I, I feel like something is getting ready to happen. <laughs> uh, and I can't wait. And uh, thanks again for being here, Beth. Everyone, glad you're able to join us. Hope to see you next Thursday and then the following Wednesday um, and in the new year. Blessings to you and your Advent.